seeing some of my dear brothers and sisters playing original music on the bandstand in front of interesting crowds. Again, it was a reinforcement to me that uh, trying to be a creator of original spiritual music and take it on the road at this time in this country is really an impossible feat. It's easy if you're a well-known artist like Bruce Hornsby or Carlos Santana or any of these other people who already have a brand but we're so brand obsessed in this country that those cats are making millions of dollars while the rest of the younger cats who are actually playing original stuff and burning um, can barely make it. And I just realized that at this point in my show, shelf life of my show still has not passed the expiration date 12 years in. And um, I realized it is my job and my sort of solemn purpose to uh, continue to accentuate those who are radiating light uh, through their apparatus, uh, through the conversations they have on the bandstand, and uh, make sure that, uh, like I said, original, creative, hungry musicians um, become compensated uh, over time uh, as the professionals that they are. And I got the chance today to speak to somebody who uh, really hip cat. She plays a, a a really intense instrument uh, that most cats would not see within the jazz context, but she does it pretty effortlessly. And the definition of genius is making something very difficult look very easy. So uh, such an honor. Minta Spencer, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Wow. Thank you, Jake. Thank you so much for having me. That was, that was amazing. Thank you. It was such an, such an honor to have you. You know, I just, I, I wanted to go back to this thing, you know, I, you've been very supportive of my, of my posts because of the vulnerability component. I mean, obviously there's probably, I'm hoping people find some laughs and inspiration from it as well. But then I saw you put up something about, I'm going to botch it, but, and I know it's not your original stuff, but it just was the, the essence of people are consumed and, you know, because of the relentless comparison and pressures in society, how many people, how many people show up for the gig or, how many, what are the algorithms or how do I make this go viral as opposed to just realizing that if you are completely vulnerable and yes, you're going to, it's not going to happen overnight, but if you keep being vulnerable, then that is the stuff that will resonate. And I just thought that that was profound because at this point in this time, the way people use new media as a journalist, it's new media, but they're using it for social purposes. So when I read that coming from someone right. like yourself, I thought it was pretty profound and I wanted you to talk about how you've evolved uh, being becoming more just as vulnerable as possible, not just in your right. post posts on new media, but even on the bandstand. How have you become have allowed yourself to to be more vulnerable to the to the muse? 
Uh, absolutely. Um, I think I think the bottom line is, you know, whether you're posting something on social media or when you're performing, it's really like we're here to create a sound or make music or make art, not we're making content. Um, it's it's kind <laughs> of like re- I did. What? No, I, it's, what's funny is that I always my friends and I, we, you know, there's an emoji for a tent like so we just put yeah. tent, like, content but it, we, we yeah go ahead continue i didn't mean to cut yeah you we're no no it's okay yeah it's, it's it's really like what i'll try to do is if i'm playing somewhere or i'm doing something i will look back and be like okay i got some photos i put my harp on my stand during um you know i was performing at a gig or a private event or something and maybe i'll get 30 seconds of content from it um, you know, that I can share and just be like, hey, this was a beautiful restaurant I played at. I played at this spot in North Hollywood or something. But, you know, when everything is so content driven, we're, you know, I think I think it was that is kind of how we're having this conversation anyhow, which is kind of like stop. Well, I don't know. It's a stop making. Let's just say you're any artist for the algorithm or something that can go viral. Um, and start creating something that really represents where you are right now, music that you want to share, music that, you know, that really means something to you, not just because it's going to get the most, you know, likes or shares or saves or reposts. Um, so it's really being, you know, vulnerable versus viral, I suppose. I, I just thought um, it was like, yeah. I, I, I thought it was so spot on. And, you know, I mean, you know, but speaking for your own evolution as a musician, right. can you just can you just talk about how you've? I mean, the only times that I've really grown in my life are when I push myself out of my comfort zone, and that's a scary right. feeling because you you do have to go out on a limb, and I'm not scared of the limb, but you know, I mean, you can fall, and I think we live in this time. I mean, I'm a Gen Xer at 45, but a lot of younger cats, they uh, are they've been raised with uh no mis- no mistakes not even musically just right. perfection and that to me uh is a recipe for burnout uh at the very least so i just wanted you to talk about you know how you've learned over time if you if you were if you struggled getting out of your own way early on as most musicians do and how you've gotten to the point you are where you are now yeah um i think i well i'm the same generation as you which is about the same age Um, and I'm a mom, I have three kids. I have a high schooler, a middle and an elementary. So So I know, I know where I am right now, mentally, like emotionally where, and and where I am, um, you know, as a woman. And then I also kind of see what my kids are experiencing and kind of like high school culture and mindset and, you know, what it's like, definitely, um, you know, I mean, perfectionism is, is so dangerous. And it's kind of like anything you do, um, you know, failure, failing is, is kind of inevitable. Um, and it's, it's and, and also kind of unavoidable because it's when we fail is when we learn um, and we get the most lessons from that. Oh, man. And so I think like when, when we're trying to make sure everything is like so perfect and you know, like here, like documenting every single step throughout the process and be like, I didn't make any mistakes. Well, then that's just, that's just not realistic. And, um, 
I think it's just like, you know, creating and then doing everything is a whole process. And I think, you know, what I do in music, it's, it's really a parallel to my life because I personally, now this just might be a me thing, but I was definitely more of a people pleaser in my twenties and thirties, just with friends, family, business, you know, just like, I don't want to upset someone, you know, I want to do the right thing. I want to be a you know good girl. I want to follow the rules. I don't want to make any waves. As I've gotten older, I'm more like, I kind of don't care what you think. I kind of don't care if me not coming to your event, you know, family function, whatever, hurts your feelings because I wasn't trying to do that. I'm just more like, I have to hear myself. And I'm finding in music, I'm trying to be less of a people pleaser as far as playing what I'm supposed to be playing on the harp. I'm more like, I want to play what I want to play, how I want to play it, even if my peers aren't doing that. Um, and that's okay for me. And so it's, it's, it's kind of like my growth as a musician. It's, it's very parallel to my growth as a, as a human being, really. Are you a Pisces by chance? No, no, I'm I was going to say, because I mean, that, that, what you just said, I mean, having two daughters, you know, high school, 17 and 11, they are oh, like, okay. they are just like my heartbeat. They were most inspirational thing that ever happened to me. And, and yet, uh, I, what you just said about not even family events. I mean, I, I, I have, a, I have a great life. I have no, I know some people that just right. <clears throat> with families and, you know, it's a it's a nightmare, but I I don't have that. But I it's it to me like this is about like it's it, it, the people pleasing, and I mean I'm still a sensitive cat, you know. I mean like I still want to make sure that I'm on good terms with people, but at the same of time, of course, I, no, and I don't right, yeah. yes. But uh, yes. but what I, what I want to say is that like I believe, and I tell my older daughter this too because at 17 she's brilliant and she's trying. You know, to me I said you know it's more about I said this year. As you go into your senior year, I said the goal should be it's not about grade. You've set yourself up to do amazing stuff in this world, even though you have doubts about yourself. I said, but this year it should be about gaining confidence through holding your ground, standing your ground. Right. All right. Drawing a line in the sand because you know what? I mean, I'm having out-of-body experiences and posting these videos and people are like, making comments like who is that you know who is that crazy idiot why is he screaming it's like dude this is me this is group therapy this is how i heal right. i don't <laughs> care i don't yeah. freaking care but yet people right. and so like when did can you talk about like a moment or just something doesn't have to be the first time but where you were like it's so empowering when you stop caring about all the ancillary stuff and just right. dig, dig deep and hold your ground. And then those reverberations carry out and people say, wow, Mint is really hold. She's just her own person now. Well, I think, I think my biggest transform, well, I don't know if transformation, but, you know, um, I've played harp and piano since I, you know, piano since I was five and harp since I was 10. Um, I did have some gaps throughout my life, you know, in school or raising my kids or, you know, I kind of had to pause on some things, but um you know, I always kind of felt I'm kind of hardwired for I'm a classical pianist. I'm a classical harpist. This is what you do. And it's repetition, repetition. And I enjoy this music as well. I enjoy listening and I enjoy playing it. Mm -hmm. I think for me, there was kind of a turning point where, um, you know, and I, and I listen to all different kinds of music. I don't just like listen to one, but I was like, 
well, well why can't I play this hip hop sample on harp? Like, right. why can't, why can't I, you know? Right. And, um, I freaking love why, this. Yeah. Why, why do I, why am I only practicing the second movement and cadenza for Mozart's flute and harp concerto? I think I had done, uh, the last time I performed classical was, um, like, I mean, in a formal setting was 2017. Um, my friend Caroline, she's a flutist and flautist. Flautist, flautist, flautist. This yeah. is debatable, flautist. Yeah, I know. Um, we did, so we just did, we did Mozart's flute and harp concerto. Um, and it was like, you know, I think, it, and we were, you know, one feature in a, in a concert in Southern California here. And there were like maybe 500 people in the theater. And I had practiced months for this you know this is just repetition and and polish and everything and i was on stage no more than like 10 15 minutes to to do this and when i finished i was like i don't want to do this anymore like i i i time time is very different when you're an adult and when you're a kid and when you're in high school or middle school or something and you know, you're really just doing your thing and you have homework and you can sit on your instrument for hours really with no other accountability or responsibility to anything. It's it's luxurious just to practice and, and perfect something. Right now, it really wasn't a matter of, I can't put the time in and practice and make this perfect. But I was like, I'm not really connecting to the music. What I'm playing on stage is not really what I want to play. And I'm not really feeling this. Um, why am I doing this? And so it was kind of like a lot of, soul searching like but I do want to play the harp but I don't want to play Mozart on stage um and I, Dude, and, I am don't loving this this is so great because you know what <laughs> I, I just the reason it's great is because I just I wish there were I wish that I mean it wouldn't be as cool but I wish nine <laughs> there were nine out of ten mint dispensers instead of one out of ten because you know what oh, wow. people are like how many I just I'm curious about and I don't you know this is just my feeling is that <clears throat> there's a lot of amazing classical orchestras in the world. There is a homogenization of sound now where you used to be able to tell the differences in some ways, but they've gotten homogenized. But I do feel like it's a steady gig for those people. But I, this is just my gut and you don't really even have to comment one way or the other, but I do feel like there's so many cats that are just like, they know their spirit is not connected to the fact that they have to take their cues from a conductor. And yet they're getting right. a good, they're getting good bread and they're playing nice. the same freaking formula trip every night and they're miserable. And it's like, but there's this, there's yeah. a space for this though. I mean, I, let's say I, I took my, well, I, I went to the Hollywood bowl yesterday, but that was different. That was a reggae festival. I went, let's say last summer, I took my kids to see Harry Potter, um, Deathly Hallows. And it's the LA Phil and it's the movie. And you need to have that orchestra, the Philharmonic playing what's written because we're watching a live performance of the score. I mean, that's incredible. It was an incredible experience. But I know for me, and, and I, can, I can read music extremely well. I mean, this is what I was trained to do. I could read it, but my issue started happening when I'm reading the Mozart, when I'm playing Mozart and I'm like, but it would be kind of cool if I could do a little chord here. <laughs> like, I'm like, I, I can read it and I can play it, but I used to find comfort and um, I would say almost relief and stability in all you have to do is read the notes on the page and practice it. But now I feel, I started to feel like it was, con it was a constraint. Like I, I'm stuck 
I can only play, it was limiting rather than like liberating because it can be scary maybe if you are a, let's say, I mean, a jazz musician and you're trained a certain way that you're limited to notes on a page, but it's kind of scary if you're classically trained to stray from that and be like, well, what do you want to play? You know, um, there's like that, I'm kind of in between those two worlds where I can read well and I, I kind of sometimes find comfort and be like, just give me the charts, give me the sheet music. But at the same time, I no longer want to just play. I'm more like using the music as a guide or a skeleton and be like, just tell me the chords. And then I just want to play what I want to play. Oh, I and love so, yeah, the, um, con the contours of it. And then you're just filling absolutely, it. In. Yeah. Uh, this is so yeah. important for younger cats to hear. I mean, you know, I mean, the cats that mutually follow us, um, like are some of the heaviest jazzers uh, in the world. So it makes me think that like, you know, you're farther down the path than maybe you even think you are in terms of improvisation. I mean, where would you say, once you had that experience of getting off the bandstand with the, by the way, some people would say a, a flautist is just another word for an unemployed flutist or flute player. So, <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, it, it, uh, but, but the truth is that like, did you, were you just like, okay, I'm going to have to just learn by ear. It wasn't like you were going to go to Berkeley. You know, you had a family. No, you're you know? right. No, I'm, I'm, I have a family. I'm an adult. Actually right. what happened was I, I started playing differently i actually i think i started my instagram account in 2016 or 17 it was separate from my private account which i no longer have um and it was just this is how i'm going to connect with other harpists i wasn't even thinking about any other type of musician um i i, I threw up some harp videos like here's my cover of the doors light my fire um here's my cover of an adele song and then i started like diving into like albums i would do like four jobim songs in a row or here's this charlie hayden you know song oh, i really like uh, and then yeah. and and so i would just and, and then and then and i would only connect with harpists and i was like this is what they're doing this is what i'm doing um and it was more just like a cool community because at least you know i, I grew up in southern california i really just knew a couple of harpists who were at my teacher's studio um and, 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 you know, being connected through social media to a harpist in Wales or a harpist in, um, you know, New Mexico or Arizona, I mean, and suddenly the world is kind of like, you know, I know I can name like 50 or 75 harpists that like I DM and interact with all the time. And it's amazing the kind of support and advice you can get from, hey, I'm going to be in Nashville and I need to rent a harp. And she's like, I got you. And so um, that's been incredible. But then over time, I started posting videos. And then during COVID, that's, I think, where all the creativity really happened for me because I, I just kind of was, you know, that was my only outlet. I wasn't performing anywhere. I wasn't recording anywhere. Um, and I really started to just, you know, start to dive into music that I couldn't usually, you know, play or I didn't have an opportunity. Um, and I think a turning point for me was I posted, um, I, I'm a big Jamiroquai fan. I went oh to the Oh my God, where, yeah, that's our same, we're the same generation, yeah. Oh, we are, absolutely. Yeah. And so I did a week where I posted a bunch of Jamiroquai covers. One was like- um, Oh my God, like, that man, like, was, was like, sick. Yeah, they were, they were my favorite. And so like yeah, I yeah. did um, like Manifest Destiny and like I tagged Stuart Zender on it. I was like, I love Stuart Zender. <laughs> and then I did, um, I did another song. And then I think I did, <laughs> I did like, seven days in sunny June or virtual insanity. And then um, 
uh, my, my current, my basis that I work with the most frequently, his name is Brian Dukesong. And he, I told him, I'm talking to you. He's like, oh, tell him I say what's up. He's like, I'm a big fan of him. Yeah, no, I know um, that name. I, I don't know what, yeah, where, Brian. I, 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 you know that cat, man. I, I mean, I, all these cats yeah. come up to me. They're like, you're Jake Fiber? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. So he's like, yeah. tell him I'm a big fan. So what he up? actually, com he commented on my post, like, you're playing Jamiroquai on harp. And he tagged another guy who's now my drummer. And, um, and then we kind of started DMing and we're like, oh my God, like I live 15 minutes away from my, my current drummer. Um, and Brian lives in LA too. We started, started connecting and we're like, hey, like what if we do some videos during COVID, um, like a collab or something on it? And I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> like I, I, I had never, during all my heart posts, I had never been like, let's collaborate. I think I did one. And it was with some guitarists like in Israel. It was just so random. And so um, we kind of talked about it and shelved it. And then what happened was I was going through a phase where I was like, I'm just going to start going through hip hop, you know, 90s hip hop and play the sample on harp because most of the stuff was, you know, using, you know, 70s, you know, 60s, 70s, like Absolutely. jazz funk samples. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And so my first one I had done um, was an, I was using an RC30 loop pedal. I had just got this pedal. I was trying to figure out how to use this. I had some like, you know, lame beat. <laughs> no, really, it was not very good. I had this like funny beat and I was playing Ski Lows I Wish, which is Bernard Wright spinning. OK, right. and so um, I was like, this is and I put in the caption. I'm like, you know, Bernard Wright's album. Um, I think it's called Nard, right? Nard, yeah. And, That's the sickest yeah, album and, ever. Yeah, yeah, he was he was like 18, I think, when he made it. I mean, it's an incredible album. Dude, that, that album was like, like 1980 or something. You know, that was so Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I was like, I love this Stilo song. I wish this is what the sample is based off. These are the chords. And so I sat down, I wrote out the chords. I played it with the loop pedal. And then Taylor, my drummer friend um, that I had kind of connected with, he's like, why are you using the loop pedal? I'll play the beat. I can do it better. And I'm like, but how do we do this? Like, I, it's such a like Nickelodeon TV show. I know. And then he's like, no, no, no. I'll record it and send you the video. Can you figure out how to do it? And I think I had some app. I don't even remember what the app was called, which I don't even own. I don't have on my phone anymore. Um, he sent me the video with just his phone mic. And I put my, my phone on my stand and I played the chords and then I synced them together. This is not even using mics or logic or, or anything. This is literally like... Um, Wait, who's this? There's someone at my door. Yeah, no, I, I'm on a, I'm on a call right now. Yeah, okay, good, thank you. Oh, I'm sorry, Jake. Well, that's um, fine. It's okay. fine. No, yeah, this, so, go ahead. I mean, I want to, I want to be clear that you, it, this was like, this was during like uh, quarantine. So the, the this it, is during yeah. this is 2020. Yeah, and so yeah. we basically did. I wish. And, and I was tagging, you know, like Skilo, I wish, Bernard Wright, this, and, and people were like, oh, that's so cool to see, to like read your captions. My captions were just as important as the post because I was kind of diving into, <laughs> you know, it, and then, and then, you know, my friends were like, oh my God, you're so funny. You have like an NPR like caption. Cause I would really research it. And, um, and then Taylor and I were like, what if we just start doing this during COVID? So we just went down, we kind of made this like wish list. And I think we did like 40 of them. We did like, we did Mob Deep. We did, um, you know, Tribe Called Quest. We did Farsight. We did Exhibit. And we were, you know, exploring samples that were like, you know, Ahmad Jamal. Um, who else? Billy Joel, like Exhibit samples, Billy Joel. Um, Biggie samples. Um, I mean, uh, uh, Michael, uh, was it Michael Franks? 
Yeah, no, no. there was like uh, no, no, no. Michael Franks was like someone else, or then like, or it was like Bobby Caldwell for like you know, and, and you know, we're just kind of exploring the original sample. Of this, you know, giving credit to the producers and and all that kind of stuff. And throughout this, I was kind of like, I'm playing the music that I really enjoy listening to, and I'm also you know kind of trying to get, you know show appreciation for that sample and the producers for you know, kind of picking out that sample, you know, or crate digging. And, and it was kind of cool to hear that sample in context in the original song, not just, you know, chopped up with a beat. And, um, and I started doing this, you know, people were like, oh, you're a hip hop harpist. And I'm like, not really. I mean, I, I play a lot of other things too, but, um, you know, my, my sound has kind of evolved over time because the, the more I have explored these things, like the looser my playing is. I'm not so, I'm stuck reading notes on a page. Um, yeah, you're, let, you're like, letting you're letting yeah. the body you're letting your body dance now you know it's not so, exactly it's not so quantized you know and like that's right and i guess that's the thing like i mean to me um well you just said something that resonated said a lot of stuff there that resonated but it was like when i started my show um i you know i didn't have my voice uh, i was just sort of shooting in the dark but i was going after all these really heavy jazz musicians like uh you know i they, they were accessible and i i was on an am station here in tucson and i was pat martino and jack dejanet and the great richard davis and you know a lot of these guys yeah. are people of color and i listened back to those interviews and you know i'm so squeamish like i can hear what i want to say and i'm trying to get it out but those guys right. really helped me find my voice and so at a certain point People are like, oh, you're a jazz journalist. I'm like, no, I am not going to get pigeonholed. I'm not going to get pigeonholed. <laughs> so I went down the rad with yeah. bluegrass and rock and world. Right. And, and so that's the key is that do you find it – obviously, it's liberating from an artistic point of view. But from a gig point of view, do you think that it's an advantage of yours to not be able to be pigeonholed? Or is does it hurt you because people can't say, oh, well, she's just doing – the classical thing like it, no but I, I I actually think I'm very honest with myself and with people about what I do or don't or what I can or can't um I for example I was asked to play at an event and she and, and this woman wanted all classical this was a private event I straight up said to her like you know I'm, I'm not going to sit and learn two hours worth of music for this event I don't have that kind of time I mean I unless you're going to pay me I far more this. so I I, I said I have a harpist for you. And I referred her to someone like, here's her name. This is what she does. There's your classical harpist. I'm not trying to, and, and it's not that I cannot play it. I just don't have that kind of at my fingertips. Like I'm playing at a, you know, a at a you know corporate event this Thursday with my trio. And it's kind of like, they want seventies, eighties, hip hop, you know, and some modern stuff. And I'm like, this is like my bread and butter. This is what I do. I practice this. I play it like weekly and I, you know, I'll add every time a couple more songs and we'll reorder, but this is kind of what I do. If you're like, I want you to play handle and this and this, and I'm like, I have the ability to read and learn and do it, but I'm not going to be reading the notes on the page. I'm going to make it my own. And I don't think you want that. And so I'd rather just be very upfront about what I can do. And I, and I used to say it apologetically, but I don't anymore. Um, Mint Dispenser it's a, it's, does not have the yeah. bandwidth for two hours of a classical <laughs> bag. It's, a, I mean, seriously, like I, I really love where you are. Can you just talk about and just in, in life in general, like uh, how you learned to just because what you're talking about is, you know, 
going back to this idea of self-assertiveness, like this is yeah. just what it is. And part of that is just learning to sit in the mess. And I really recognize, even though I don't not met you personally, I can see that you have a really, really good heart and soul. And I can see that. And I just wonder about how you learned to look towards the light and sit in the mess. Because once you once you just surrender to life, then you can assert who you really are. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. No. Um, well, okay. So this is, I think what I've learned and you don't know this when you're younger, but you know, my, my eldest son plays basketball. Um, he's going to be a junior. He plays on the team and I, I see the effort and everything he puts in. Um, but it's like, when I look at what my son does with sports, um, you know, sports and music are very different in, 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 in so many different ways. Um, music is not a competition. I think that's where we have to remember that. Although people it's are become more about, of a, it's become more well, like it has. Yeah, and it's yeah. kind of like how many followers do you have? And it's, I can't tell you how many people said to me, Oh my God, you, I love your Instagram. You should go on TikTok. You'll blow up. Right. Who, I, yeah, it's I'm, like, I'm yeah. still, I hate saying this because I'm pretty technical, but TikTok baffles me. I'm like, wait, how do I re reshare this? I shouldn't say this. TikTok kind of baffles me. And then I'm kind of like blow up. And then what? Because, exactly like, it's like why not like, grow the roots what? yeah just keep the roots I mean, getting stronger and stronger that's it's right but i want to be clear i just i don't want to lose track of this you're yeah. because actually a lot of athletes when you ask them if they could do anything else professional athletes they say musician and musicians would say i want to play sports but you're saying oh no no the, I don't, well no what i'm, yeah, what I'm getting want... at is I, I want you to do you feel like you're trying with your oldest son that you try to say you know, forget the comparisons, be part, you know, it's good to be part, you know, the team it's is hard, the most it's important. It's hard, it, well, being a part of the team is important, but it's hard not to, you know, for an athlete to compare because there's certain metrics, like what are your points per game? How many rebounds? How many assists? How many minutes? What's your efficiency? Right. Like there it's are obsessive. ways. Yeah, there are, totally. Well, there, there, is, there are objective, it's, it's kind of objective. There's these numbers. Obviously, if you look at, I mean, like the NBA and stuff and you're looking at different players, obviously you can see someone who's got like that natural talent or style or, you know, the way he moves or whatever, like someone like, are we going to talk about sports right now? Like, you know, Kevin okay. Durant or something, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, um, dude, I mean, they, yeah, they're, someone yeah, who's kind of got that extra, but, but yeah. in music, I think what I'm, I think my analogy is like, is very different than sports because I think in sports also, there's a window, like, you know, you play college, you're in your twenties, hopefully you don't get injured. People start to, depending what sports you're in by your thirties, you're kind of, you know, everyone's like, is he going to retire? How many more years does he have? I feel like in music, the older I get, the more creative and sure. relaxed I get. I'm actually getting more creative and better as I get older. My, my window wasn't in my 20s. I was more trying to figure out what am I supposed to be doing? And now I'm, I kind of feel free from that. And I'm like, what do I want to do? And I really don't care if you don't like it. My, if you don't like how I play, no problem. There's so many other people you can listen to, but if you enjoy it and you connect, then great. You know, um, I, I don't, I don't feel like I, I need to. Um, but I know, kind of I, just, yeah. Yeah. no, but yeah. I want to be very clear. I mean, I, I grew up in the eighties and nineties and before the computer and it, we had fantasy sports at that time and people did it yes. manually. And we, and there were the cats that I love the most 
didn't always drop 40 points. They might play, they might only score seven points, but they'd have eight assists and nine rebounds and they were like great defensive right. players. And like, I just wonder like if your son, I mean, I don't know if, how good he is if he wants to go for a scholarship or things like that, but he's it's like, good, but he's not, he's not a D one player, but he's good. But, but and that's I okay get it too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I, I would be talking to right. him about, I would be t- solely talking to him about the idea of what is your greatest strength to the team because right. you are going to be invaluable to any team, whatever division, if you accentuate those strengths. And if that means you, you may not be the most graceful, you may not be the most prolific scorer, but you know what? If you could, if you are a tenacious defender, you're going to play. Right. You're going to play. Right. And it may not be the, the 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 glitzy thing, but you know that would be hard to do with a seven. I mean that that I just know the just the, the way these kids are growing up today is just even so much different than how we grew up. And so Absolutely. Well, um, it's different than how we grew up. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm worried you're apart. I mean, you're younger than you. It's different how we grew up, but also with COVID yeah. and lockdown and kind of what the world went through and how everything changed as far as how my kids over a span of two years, how they socialize, um, how they interact with friends, how, family, sports, school, things on campus or not, grocery shopping, shopping, everything kind of just changed. And in my head, I kind of want things to go back to how they were, but it's not really quite like that, you know? Um, it's, not, it's not, you know, it, and that's the thing, no, it's never it, going to go back to the way it was, but it's going to no. be, I mean, I've sort of just been like breaking through the wall. You know, I want, this is important though. Like, can you trace in your family lineage, uh, like, um, did you have... A couple hundred years ago, it is a long time ago, but I mean, you know, musicians were considered doctors. I just wonder about the idea of the mystical traditions of your mother and father's side, if you have traced that back, uh, and has there always been a bent towards, uh, I don't want to say avant-garde creation, but just like the artistic quality uh, and the mystical quality of your family. Um, you know, my, my mom put me, I have a brother and sister. She put all three of us in lessons because I think when she was younger, she wanted to learn piano and she didn't have the opportunity. Um, my sister plays piano or she did play piano before. And my brother sang, he DJed, he played guitar and violin. Um, so she's always, you know, she was always about encouraging us in music up to a point. But I mean, my dad's a chemical engineer um no he doesn't do anything like that but his cousin is an artist you know he he does sculptures and out of bronze and he has an exhibit actually at this vancouver museum right now i'm sorry that um, is badass that is the most badass yeah. art ever oh it's, it's amazing stuff and i i actually don't think i really appreciate it we were kids we'd see it we'd go to vancouver um right. and we'd see stuff he did and i was like oh yeah uh, that's my dad's cousin. That's my second cousin. That's that's a bronze sculpture. Anyway, what, what's your dinner? But as I'm older, I was totally. like, wow, I can I can really appreciate it. So, um, you know, I I think, uh, you know, for me to be okay with, um, you know, expressing myself through music the way I want to, um, and and investing my time in it, uh, and kind of really understanding what it is I I like about doing this, uh, you know, creating art, finding my sound. And also just not really comparing myself to any other person. I'm, I, I think, you know, as far as my friends are concerned, just in my life, not related to music and also my music friends, I am a competitive person, but I'm not. Um, I try to kind of look at things as more of a community. 
Um, not like, damn it, she got the gig and I didn't. I'm trying to be like, how can we create more of a, a community where we encourage each other, um, where we support each other? Um, I, I was trying to figure out how to use a, 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 a guitar pedal. Um, and I called my friend Emily in New York and she's got an incredible Instagram and YouTube where she does these amazing videos with pedals. Um, and she does video game music and everything. And I'm like, can you teach me? And then somebody texted me, another harpist. And she's like, I'm having trouble connecting my harp through this, um, you know, through this, through this. So I, I did like a, a, a Zoom with her and I'm walking her through it. And I'm like, we need to be supporting each other and teaching, not like withholding information because all of us will sound the same and what we want to play and how we want to say it is very different. And it's so much nicer when we're supporting each other. There's, there's so much, there's a big pie here. Um, I mean, I love I that. I love. Yeah. I think that, and, and I and I'm just like uh, maybe all, maybe harpist is different than guitarist because we're less. There's less of us. Well, I mean, also like that, I mean, you know. the way you're the direction you're taking the harp is also very unique in and of itself. But still, it's the it's the it's the intention, and it's like what like and I I wonder about you know you go back to um, so many cats you know that I interviewed in the studios. I mean. A lot of them in the 60s and early 70s, I mean, they didn't even they didn't even graduate Berkeley because there was so much work to go. You could just go on the road or maybe someone like Charlie Mariano would go to the Schillinger house, which was Berkeley before it was Berkeley. And like he'd get off the road and like, uh, you know, maybe sober up or learn a new instrument. And then he'd go back on the road. I mean, there was just right. so much work. But you're going to learn. But I didn't even, I didn't, I, I mean, I, I graduated from college. Um, I went to USC. My degree is not in music. Um, I was on, I was on a different path. Um, I did a two-year accounting program at UCLA to, to sit for my CPA exam. I was running a business in my 20s that had nothing to do with music. So I kind of wow. had a wow. different, I didn't even have a heart for 10 years. It was in my mom's house. So I, I had, this. I literally have gaps where I would listen very heavily to music. You know, like, I, I don't just mean the radio. I would be listening to like sketches of Spain like three days in a row. I'm listening, I'm listening. I can practice piano. And in my head, I'm thinking, if I had my harp, what would I be playing? Um, and I think all those years not doing it, you know, kind of full time and coming back to it gave me an appreciation um, for being able to kind of play and feeling like it is a privilege and it is an honor every time I'm playing and it doesn't matter to me if I'm playing at here's I'm playing at the lobby at the Hollywood Roosevelt or I'm playing at someone's wedding um a lot of people you know I I don't mean to sound cheesy but you know we're playing music at very important events in people's lives and it could be as simple as a corporate event but you know when we're playing at someone's weddings and someone is like committing themselves to someone and they want us to come play you know I take that very seriously it is a privilege and January was the first time I played in a memorial. Um, it was it was a girl's, I mean, it was a 16-year-old girl's funeral who had taken her own life. That really, like, I had talked to the mom on the phone. It, like, knocked the wind out of me. I was like, oh, my God. Um, and I played keys. I was, it was piano, flute, and drums. Um, and it was in downtown LA, and it rained that day. And we somehow got our instruments here, and everybody's kind of standing outside in the rain. And we played a couple of songs and one of them we pulled from her daughter's Spotify playlist. It was Fiona Apple's Shadow Boxer. And so we're the same age. That was for me, that was like, you know, junior, senior of high school. Sure. And, um, and I played on the piano and I, I was like, you know, 
not every gig is fun. We're doing sometimes serious stuff and music is so, you know, important. Um, you know, I posted a, a, a repost that Questlove had, it was Ethan Hawke speaking, is you don't really think about poetry and music and this until you might start to go through something in life. And I, I reposted on my account. Um, and, and it's so true, like your, your heart is broken. You lose someone. Um, you're going through something difficult and we, we might find comfort in some beautiful words written by someone or a piece of artwork or a song that, that kind of helps us explain our feelings when we're at a loss for words. And so, you know, going through these experiences makes me look at it as I'm not just playing the harp, or I'm not just playing the piano. I'm, 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 I'm helping someone go through something difficult or I'm helping someone celebrate something. And so I do feel like it is a privilege and honor when I'm asked to play somewhere. Um, yeah. No, you're a, you're a minister, you're a minister, you're a, you're a minister of healing. And, uh, yeah. and, and no, but I, what, what I was trying to get at was that you're talking about this big pie and you're right. And I mean, I love your, I love where you're going with the whole idea. And I, but the, but going back to the to the time of the older generation, they were um, give it, passing off gigs to other people. There was enough work to go around. Right. And so what the problem now is is that the re, it's so I don't want to say competitive, but it's there's just not. A, and I'm not even talking about forget the corp the stuff you get hired for private stuff. Right. I'm just talking like right. regular gigs. There's like right. not enough to go around. So as a result, people feel more pressure to show off their facility and chops because they don't feel like when's the next time uh, I'm going to yes. get back on the bandstand as opposed to before well, where it was, Hey, six nights a week, three sets a night, you were secure in your playing and you could develop your own sound in a live setting. Right. That, in most major cities now that just does not exist. Well, so as problem, a result, I, they the don't, problem. there's not enough people that have, people don't have your attitude of sharing they want to hoard stuff because they're totally right. insecure that that, that they, if they lose that, then they have nothing. Well, the problem, well, I would not say the problem for me is, uh, let's, let's say for me as a harpist, my problem isn't there's not enough gigs. My problem is I could probably be out there playing every single night if I want to get paid nothing, you know, um, sure. or, or close right. to nothing. So, right. so I mean, th this restaurant asked me to do this, this spot asked me to do this, this hotel. And I'm like, wait, how, how much? <laughs> like, that's mm -hmm. almost just like my gas, you know? Um, and so, so, you know, if you're at a certain age and maybe your expenses are really low and you don't have kids and, you know, you're just like, I just need to hustle and get out there every night. Maybe you can afford to do that. Um, the, I no longer need a babysitter for my kids, <laughs> which is great because my eldest is responsible for when I'm, you know, gone. But you know, to be honest with you, like I used to have to be like, if I'm gone for this many hours and my babysitter is X number of dollars per hour, I'm, my money's going to like DoorDash, babysitter, gas. What am I left with? Should I even do this? That's you know? right. That's um, what I'm saying. And, and some, sometimes the experience outweighs, you know, whatever you're getting compensated for. And those are, you know, unique, you know, rich experiences. But, um, Yes, there might not be enough gigs to go around. And as a harpist too, not everybody, you know, wants a harpist or doesn't fit the context of it. Hmm. But for me, I'm more like, how do I, I mean, like everybody out there, how can I maximize my time, you know, express what I want to have to say, my experience and, you know, get paid the most. And sometimes I'll do something for nothing if it's like a charitable thing or a special event, 
very rarely now, but you know, I'll, I'll absolutely donate my time, but I have to be careful with it. You know, um, hundred percent. No, no. I, first yeah, of all, I, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, this is, so would you say that, um, at this point regionally, you're not, I mean, is there any, is there any club that pays Minta Spencer what you deserve and you get to play lot? Like I want to come see you. Uh, I mean, uh, corporate gig, probably not, but I mean, yeah. I want to see you in no, some sweaty, I mean, you know, some, is there a place that's like, Hey, we're going to pay you like whatever. I mean, live music. Yeah, no, not, I mean, it, yeah. De- it depends. I mean, um, I, I'm just going to say that live musicians have not gotten a cost of living or raise since uh, equivalent to the cost of living since 1984. Like it's, it's really rough. It's really rough. At least for where I'm at, like truthfully is I will be compensated far better for a private event than for a a show that I've been put together. And, and, and the amount of work is is kind of insane. If I put a show together, um, you know, from set list rehearsal, uh, transcribing, arranging uh, all of the above uh, to do a show. Like we had one at the knitting factory uh, in May sure. and it was, it was super fun, but, but uh, like a week before I played at some corporate event, I got paid way more and sometimes you lose money, you know, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, and then sometimes these amazing experiences come up um, <laughs> last summer, last summer I did a really cool event. Um, we did the Sketches of Spain album. Uh, that's why I brought it up. It was the full album. It was, you know, it was, I was the harpist in it. I had the privilege of playing with some amazing musicians. Um, it was like Ronnie Laws, Hubert Laws, Alfonso Johnson. It was, it was. Stop right, incre- stop right there. You've just named, it's so insane because on this journey, I mean, I'm still, there's still a lot of cats I need to get to and you just ripped off three guys who <laughs> I have yet, I cannot believe how badass that is I because know. I mean, those so cats, cool. yeah. I mean, they're, 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 that's the most burning that I, I, is there any video of that show available? I got to see that. Oh Maybe. yeah. I'll, I'll send you. It was amazing. I was, I was kind of nervous with Ronnie Laws. I'm like, Oh my God, friends and strangers. And MF Doom sampled you. And hi, nice to meet you. And I was like, I need to just stop talking. I just have to calm down. And like, you're fine. So, You're yeah, fine. he was amazing, yeah. and and Hubert was amazing, and actually, um, Hubert and I later connected, and he asked me to join in. He wants to do an arrangement of a song, so it was like harp, flute, drums, keys, and like something else. And so we've had one rehearsal so far, and then Alfonso and I became friends, and I'm actually playing with him um, and a couple of his friends in September at the Baked Potato. We're doing two nights there. We're doing um, what? Actually, we're doing. Yeah, we're doing like some weather report songs, and um, actually, oh. it'll be really fun. Wait, who so, else is? Yeah. I mean, I mean, was like Alex Acuna coming over there? I mean, this is going to be no, insane. No, let's see. Um, hold on. Uh, it doesn't matter. I, Al Alfonso Johnson. You ask him about. This is going to be legendary. Oh, he's, well, he's amazing. It, yeah. Well, I mean, no, because some of these cats are very mercurial. Like, I mean, it took me eleven years, uh, maybe ten years, to earn Ron Carter's respect now he's obsessed with my show we did two interviews but he didn't know where i was coming from but because of billy cobham because of my relationship with billy then ron the respect passed but guys like al johnson ronnie laws like i mean al johnson i mean the the, al johnson played in a band called catalyst i don't know if you've ever first band ever in philadelphia with eddie green sherman ferguson and tyrone brown this was 
one of the you most. Need they were pre you need to interview him. <laughs> no, you know what? That, yeah. It's all going to come. Um, what I'm saying is that yeah, this is this is like you are playing. I mean, Minta, I think it's fair to say that as you go along, you know, uh, the ability to connect with the elders and play with shaman musicians is going to yeah. add. You have an aura about you, you know, and so it's going to continue <laughs> to grow as you continue to stretch out. And yeah, you know what? You're, you're excitable. Like, so you're, you're talking a lot, whatever. When it get on the bandstand, you're obviously making sense because they wouldn't be calling you back if, if you didn't. No, I, it's a privilege. I'm, I'm looking at the list right here. It's so it's, um, so Alfonso is obviously on bass. Um, Joey DeLeon is on percussion. He's actually yeah. in a band, uh, yeah, you know, Jungle Fire. And I've I've worked with some of those guys before. And then Simon Phillips is on drums. Oh, dear. Um, Mike, Mike O'Neill's playing guitar. I actually saw him play recently with uh, Ronnie Foster and his son, Ronnie Foster Trio. So Another cat that has been ducked, um, that has been made. You were throwing amazing. out all the cats, man. Oh no, I'm I'm friends with Ronnie. I'll, I'll connect you. You got no, no. I mean, yeah, just the, no, the, yeah. here's the here's the here's the thing. Um, uh, I love I'll, you guys. And wait, wait, wait. What know, are the I what's love, the date on that? I got to get after that. Uh, September, I think it's September eighth and ninth. Um, we got two stretch. nights there, so there's that is yeah, so badass. Two, that is so no, badass. I'm excited, and the music we're doing like I think we're doing like two Wayne shorter tunes couple weather report oh my and something from the Maharvishnu orchestra like I've been listening it's like this deep dive into this stuff and so I've been really listening to it I need to know the song you're doing I need to know the I what what orchestra song are you guys I mean first of all you're going to be amplified playing the harp I mean this is going to be yeah well my harp is my harp's electroacoustic so it has um two XLR outputs so yeah I mean I I believe for you know baked potato is a small place but I believe I'll be um I'll be amplified. I should be over, wow. you know, wow. to, to balance it out. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I have that project. And then um, actually the end of September and the 29th, I'm playing in um, an orchestral version of Superfly. We're doing the Superfly soundtrack. So that- um, What was so funny been, is the last thing I was going to yeah. say to you in this, in this set one here, I was going to say to you, yeah. my one request when I see you is please play me a black exploitation soundtrack. And there you just, you just, you just <laughs> said it. But, it. but why does it have to be orchestral? Why can't we just get really like, you get that wah-wah guitar, drums and harp, you know, that's. Orchestra. I think it's a 20 piece orchestra. We haven't had rehearsals yet. Um, it's the 29th in the, the arts district downtown. I, I don't know all the details yet, but it's supposed to be the end of September. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to do this. Um, I mean, yeah. you would say that, um, you know, before I let you go, I just wanted to, yeah. to ask you about um, the, you know, like um, sometimes, uh, well, basically, I just wanted you to talk about your concept of love and how you bring love to the world. Oh, I love that. Um, you know, because that's what I see. I, in, what I see in you, yeah. what I see in you uh, outside of your playing is love and you know what love can be misconstrued sometimes it can be uh you can be taken advantage of sometimes but like as a sentient yeah. being uh there's nothing better than bringing love into a situation that raises the collective consciousness and i just wanted you to talk about your concept of it obviously just having kids you know it's that 
can break you <laughs> open. But you know, oh, yes. <laughs> but just talk talk about yeah how, how you learned to, how you keep your heart open and and continue to uh, yeah. give love to the world. Um, you know, I think we all do our best when we're feeling love and and it, and it, I don't necessarily mean like romantic love you know love is isn't can come in many different forms you know um the love I have for my kids um for my sister for my family um or even you know being in a musical community and feeling that love and acceptance and you know all that kind of stuff I think I think when you give you know, when you give love out there and, and someone really sees like you're passionate about what you're doing and you're very genuine, you know, like for me, how about this? I know how to play poker. We play here. I got chips. I'm a terrible poker, poker player because my face gives it all away. Like I'm saying, I have a bad poker face. Um, if you ask me a question and I, and I, you know, you'll know by how I'm smiling or not. Like it's very hard for me to keep a straight face. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think when I, when I play, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, I have so many posts on my Instagram account. A lot of it was before COVID. And sometimes I think about deleting them. But if I ever just scroll down to like 2017 or 18, I look at my videos and I'm so, I'm so sitting there so perfectly. Right. I'm so afraid to show my face. Like, this is how I really play. Um, this is how I feel the music. I'm afraid that someone's going to make a comment. And you know what's so funny? People use the comment. Um, one person commented once, I think it was a woman, and she said, your playing is so beautiful if you didn't make your face look like that. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And, and then someone would comment like harp face better, you know, the greater than sign better than bass face. And, 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 I, and I never really looked at my face when I played until I started doing videos on Instagram. Because remember, I'm just playing somewhere, um, posting content sharing content, putting stuff in my stories or online wasn't my goal. I was like, I'm here to play somewhere and I'm going to get the job done and get paid. And maybe I'll just take a photo with, you know, the girl I'm playing with after. When you start recording yourself and seeing your face, suddenly I'm kind of hyper aware that when I hit this chord, I scrunch up my eyes or my mouth looks like this and people start commenting. And so instead of running from that, I'm more like, well, this is just me. Like, I'm like, you know, I, I was self-conscious for a so while. Much, yeah, yeah I, I was self-conscious for a while. And now I'm like, no, I'm embracing it. Um, and what I was going to say to you when you're talking about love, I think it's, it's not just putting love out there, but even love for yourself and just being very mm. more forgiving to ourselves. Um, you know, the whole, the whole reason we started having this conversation was talking about making vulnerable, like honest content, not viral content. Um, right. There's something very magical about being vulnerable. And it's the same thing that like, if I'm taught, I just, you know, I was out with a couple girlfriends last night. We went to the Hollywood Bowl. We saw the reggae festival. We carpooled up there. The conversations were great. Um, if you, and I know you hang out with your friends, if you just want to talk about things like things are good. My kids are like this, life's like this. But if you really want to get to it and talk about like, this is a really hard thing I went through. I kind of find like when I'm a little honest and vulnerable and obviously there's a fine line with oversharing, but people will respond to that. Like, I, thank you for sharing that. Well, let me share something that I've been dealing with, you know? And I think the same goes for even music. Like when I'm very honest and vulnerable and I even post videos on my, in my, you know, usually in my stories, I'll post a video every night. Here's me on the road, but here's on the piano. I kind of fumbled. I posted a cover last night of Prototype, you know, Outcast song. 
I kind of had a mistake and I was like, I'll record over. I'm like, no, I'll just keep it. I'll just do it up there. Like, I'm like, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to do 15 takes to get this perfect unless this is for like an album. I'm just going to share what I'm feeling, you know. Um, I freaking love it. Know, no, and, I mean, we're, on the, yeah. on, on a, as a rogue journalist, that's all I'm doing. So I just feel yeah. a complete connection. When, you, when I saw that post, I mean, and that's the other thing. What's funny is that, it, and I, you know, it, it's okay. Like it, you can't prove this quantitatively, but um, people get really uh, obsessed about the numbers uh, and, and the shares. But let me tell you something. The metrics. Let me tell yeah. you something. Everybody's looking, even if they, you don't think they're looking. They're always looking. They may not comment. They may not like it. But don't think oh, for a minute. Oh, if yeah. you're if you're doing vulnerable. Yeah. If you're doing what you just talked about, authentic stuff, right? everybody's looking. And then your real friends and the people that know who you are, how genuine you are, they'll hook you up. But the idea is that you do something real, people are always looking, even when you don't think they're looking. Like, you know, for me to come, you know, I saw that post you put up and I said, that's my whole life now. That's my whole yeah. life. And I, you know, and so... I got to tell you, it was, we're going to have to do set two. I'm we're sure. def, just please like, like, le let me know in advance when, you know, I don't know how often you go on tour, you come to Arizona, but like, you know, even just local gigs in LA, like I, I would love to come and, and continue to promote, you know, really beautiful music, especially, I mean, I mean, I would be losing my mind at the baked potato, but I, you know, the, no, just, I, I love I'd love to, I'd love to, I'd love to meet you. Um, I'll, I'll we'll do it. Posted. It's going to happen. I wanted it's it's going to happen. Go yeah. please. Yeah, go ahead. I wanted to share something with you. Um, there's this, there's this uh, gal I follow. Um, her name is Morgan Harper Nichols. And I have one of her books. It's kind of like a little coffee table book. She's a, she's an artist. She does watercolors and poetry, but how she spaces the words on the page really speaks to me. And there's something I had read and then I came across it this morning and it kind of stuck in my head and I wanted to just share it. Please. Because it kind of fits in the context here. But basically, she's like, you know, I mean, you know, since we're the same age, I don't know if you remember in school, we would do artwork like the four seasons and we'd have like a four quadrant grid, right? It's like, and I actually did this for, I remember like a reflections art contest. I have like spring, this is what it looks like. Summer, the sun is out, this, you know, fall with the leaves and winter, there's like a snowman. And she's kind of like, you know, kind of applied this to things in life. But what we see in graphics or we're kind of taught you realize like, you know, life and, and seasons are actually more complex. Not all trees have leaves that turn red. Not everyone's winter has snow. I mean, I live in LA, we don't have snow. I got to go to Mammoth for that. Um, and we are all more diverse and different than that with different experiences, stages in life. And I think, you know, if, if I try to be like all four seasons are like this with a pumpkin on my doorstep at Halloween and snow starts falling and everything is blooming in the spring, I mean, you live in Arizona. You know what it's like. It's not like that all the time. We don't have, I mean, um, we, at this point, we don't even have four seasons anymore. It goes exactly, straight from, but that's what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, right. I did, and, I did. And, 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 in, and in Los Angeles, our winter is 60 degrees and our summer is sometimes 60 degrees. I don't have seasonal, I mean, I have clothes for snowboarding, but I don't, you know, I'm not like, oh, I'm in Chicago. This is my winter. So I think when you kind of apply this kind of thinking to life, where you know you have to reach certain milestones at a certain time and there's these expectations it's kind of like no it's not going to happen like this for everybody 
Um, I can't compare myself to someone who's like, I have three albums out and I do this and I'm touring in Europe right now for all the summer festivals. I'm just kind of like, I'm doing the most I can with what I've got with my responsibilities as a parent, because this is my real life, you know? And I'm trying to maximize, you know, my time and, and, and create the best as I can. And I don't feel like I'm missing out because I can do that later too. And, and I, and, and um, you know, there's a rush to get it all done quickly now as fast as possible. But it's also like, you know, with kids as a parent, it's like that race to nowhere. And then what, you know? So I'm like, let me just let things unfold for myself in the time it's supposed to, while I'm just working as hard as I can and I'm ready for an opportunity that comes up. And, um, and hopefully that'll keep working for me until it doesn't. Minta, I just want to, I, yeah. please, I, I just, I want to be very clear. I mean, I, yeah. you are on your path. Don't ever Thanks. change. And, uh, and I really love how, I love your vibe. I think you are, and don't beat yourself up. I think you made a very good point. I think I, I lost uh, a dear friend uh, before, right before, in 2019. Uh, oh, wow. be, because he was, uh, you might even have heard his name, Neil Casal. You know, he was an amazing uh, musician in that general Southern California area. You know, he, he was everywhere. And by the by his life, uh, everybody said, wow, this guy has, he's able to create all this amazing art original stuff and, and he's making it and uh and the thing is that you know at the end of the day he didn't love himself and he gave and gave oh. and gave but he got into a dark space checked out so i just feel like for you well there's the self-love there's the self-love and that's right what i'm there. saying like i yeah. feel like you do yeah. love you i feel like you really do love yourself and i want you to just stay on your path because you are an important person thanks all right i i love myself more as i i i think I don't want you to ever beat. I don't yeah. want you to ever, ever, <laughs> ever beat yourself up because you know what, your vibe and your excitement is so beautiful, and you like to take chances. And like we talked about, you are totally vulnerable to the world. So regardless of the noise out there and the toxicity out there, you continue to be graceful because everybody can see that, right? And it was an absolute honor to talk to you and I love and, this I appreciate it Jake this is this is so great and spontaneous thank you for calling that's what it's all about all right we'll do it yeah. again soon my okay. friend okay. all right thank you Jake bye. Okay. Bye. okay bye bye bye, bye.